0: Hello, George. It's Anthony speaking. How are you?
1: Oh, very good. Hello. How how are you doing?
0: Very well, indeed. It's a great pleasure to have the opportunity to speak to you again.
1: You interviewed me, I think, some time back.
0: And um, someone stumbled onto it on YouTube and left a comment saying that it was a hidden gem and a fantastic show. So... uh, So it deeply touched at least one person.
1: Oh, that's good. So how can I help you today?
0: Well, I really wanted to speak to you about Marx's exploitation theory. Yes. I guess I went up against someone in a debate on an online show. And as happens with these things, you know, everyone that was on my side thought I was, uh, thought I won. And everyone on the other person's side, thought he won. When I was thinking about who I'd like to talk to to about it, you were the person who came up in my mind. I mean, I know you've written a couple of articles about it on Mises.org. There's classical economics versus the exploitation theory and Marx and his exploitation theory. I thought it would be really great if we could walk through it from square one through to the end. Maybe I'll uh, come at you with a couple of devil's advocate questions
1: okay now you know I also deal with, deal with this in my book uh, Capital Treatise on Economics
0: and that's available from your website on PDF isn't it?
1: yes and also uh, I go into it fairly extensively in a very tiny book with a huge long title uh, that's available on Amazon.com, uh, both as a Kindle and a paperback, and that's called uh, Marxism slash Socialism, a sociopathic philosophy conceived in gross error and ignorance, uh, culminating in uh, economic chaos, enslavement, terror, and mass murder. A contribution to its death.
0: <laughs> well, not certainly not mincing your words with that title. That's for sure. Right. <laughs> right. So let, let's begin with a little bit of a definition here because you know the thing is people use exploitation in all sorts of ways. I mean, you can just say someone exploits their talents and no one has any problem with someone exploiting their talents. What people what people mean to say when they exploit someone is to take advantage of someone to selfishly and not in the randian sense of selfish. Marx obviously has a very particular thing that he means when he says exploitation, which is, we put together this product, my profit as a capitalist is made up by the difference between what you get paid for your contribution to it and what I take home. The view is that the profit is made up from exploitation, from expropriating the surplus value of the worker, right?
1: We don't have to... It's actually simpler and more direct than that. Uh, what Marx is claiming is that profits are stolen from what naturally and rightfully belongs to the wage earners. So profits are theft. And, uh, you know, there's a Marxian uh, slogan, expropriation of the expropriators. Yes. The word expropriator, I think, means a thief, someone who's taking away something that belongs to someone else. Now, the best way, I think, to make clear exactly what Marx is doing is to start with a quotation from Adam Smith, who really is responsible for this whole thing getting started. And uh, the first eight paragraphs of uh, Smith's chapter on wages gives you the gist of the whole thing. Let me see if I can find it. Do you have uh, my main book?
0: Yes, I've got it.
1: Try going to page 476. It's in a section called the conceptual framework of the exploitation theory. You see, he starts off with the idea that pro- the produce of labour constitutes the natural recompense for wages of labour.
0: The produce of labour consists the natural recompense of wages of labour... In that original state of things, which precedes both the appropriation of land and the accumulation of stock, the whole produce of labor belongs to the laborer. He has neither landlord nor master to share with him.
1: Okay, well, this is really the gist. It's the framework of the exploitation theory. And it's held by almost everybody, even the main critic of the exploitation theory, Bomboverk. Right, okay. He thinks profit is a justified deduction.
0: Okay. But he accepts that it is a deduction.
1: Right. And, and the, the starting point is all income, originally all income is wages and profits, interest, land rent, they emerge as deductions from what naturally and rightfully belongs to the wage earners. Right. And that's Marx's basic idea. Uh, he introduces some terminology of his own, um, Smith is calling this situation the original state of things, or sometimes he may describe it as the early and rude state of society. Uh, Marx calls it simple circulation.
0: Okay.
1: He has CMC. In simple circulation, the workers are producing commodities, C, which they sell for money, M, and then they use the money to buy other commodities, C. At CMC. Uh, capitalistic circulation, w- which is where the exploitation begins, the alleged exploitation, uh, that he characterizes as MCM. The starting point is an outlay of money, M, to produce commodities C, which are intended to be sold for a larger sum of money. Uh, again, M or M prime to indicate that it's supposed to be larger. Right. One of my major points is they both have this all wrong. The original income is not wages. Profits are not a deduction from wages. What these workers are uh, earning when they're producing their products, and Marx refers to them as commodities, they're producing, let's assume, loaves of bread, pairs of shoes, whatever. Uh, The money taken in in exchange for these commodities Is not wages, it's a product sales revenue. It's a sales revenue. Is this coming as something new to you, or are you already familiar with it?
0: Right, I've heard the idea, but I'm just trying to fully ingest it. When you say this is a sales revenue, what's the distinction you're making?
1: It's money received in exchange for the sale of products or commodities. Right, okay a wage is money paid in exchange for the performance of labor a sales revenue is money paid in exchange for the sale of a good
0: right when i was in this debate what i tried to say to the marxist that was debating was
1: yeah. look the employee's not
0: getting paid for the final value of the product it's a straight exchange i give you some money you work right there's no there's no guarantee that i'm going to even
1: sell the product I know, but if, if you yeah yeah, yeah. You, I I if, know you
0: know I'm just I'm just trying to find out if I'm missing a trick here basically if you're adding something over yeah yeah
1: you see if you're paying uh, a, a, the worker a wage for the purpose of your being able to sell the commodity he produces then we don't we're not in simple circulation
0: we're already right. in
1: capitalist circulation okay you're a capital you're buying for the sake of selling. Yes. The original state of things, according to Smith, and simple circulation, according to Marx, is the worker is himself producing some kind of product. And he is selling the product. The worker is selling the product. And the money that he receives in exchange for the product is not a wage. It's a product sales revenue. Okay. Now... If we make that recognition that what the workers in the original state of things are earning is product sales revenues, then it's going to follow that that income, the net income, is all profit. Okay. If there are no capitalists, if there's no buying for the sake of selling, are there any money costs of production? Imagine... Uh, we'll go through a, a series of simple cases. Suppose I spend ninety dollars to, to have something produced that I sell for a hundred dollars. My profit will be ten dollars. Suppose I only spend fifty dollars in order to be able to sell a product for one hundred dollars. My profit is then fifty dollars. Suppose I spend only ten dollars. My product is ninety. My profit is ninety dollars. Suppose I spend only ninety cents. My profit will be ninety-nine dollars and ten cents. Suppose I spend absolutely nothing at all, but I have a product which I sell for one hundred dollars. What's my profit?
0: A hundred dollars.
1: Hundred dollars. So the original Smith has this all wrong here. The original state of things which precedes the appropriation of land and the accumulation of stock. It's true, the whole produce belongs to the laborer, but the, the accounting nature of that produce is profit, not wages.
0: Right. So so in this state of nature where I am just selling my my own labor, which I made on my own, Everything I earn over and above what I put into it is profit. It's not wages.
1: Right. Your labor is not being sold at all. You're selling the products of your labor, but not your labor.
0: Right. Okay. That's true. Well, I mean, that is supposing the labor isn't like going to rake up someone's leaves or something like that, in which case I am selling my labor just to my neighbor.
1: Well, yeah, if you're doing something, if if your neighbor... He's paying you for the performance of labor, and he's telling you, uh, hey, Joe, come on over. I need you to rake some leaves, and I'll pay you uh, so much per hour for your time. All right, that's wages. We're talking about workers producing and selling products, or okay. cares of shoes, the bread, uh, garments of some kind, products. Or, you know, a small farmer who's uh, selling whatever he he can grow or or produce somehow. So that's uh, sales revenues that he has. Now, are you familiar with a great British economist, John Stuart Mill?
0: Not versed in him, but familiar.
1: Okay. He's known for a proposition that nobody understands, but which is incredibly powerful, and I think I understand it. His proposition is uh, the demand for commodities is not the demand for labor. And he insists when you buy a commodity, the produce of labor, that's all you're buying. You're not paying the wages of the workers. Now, I want to give you a simple like, indirect example. Imagine that someone employs a housekeeper. And he pays the housekeeper a salary, and he gives her money to buy groceries. And she prepares meals for him. And she serves him a meal. When she serves him a meal, does she also give him a check for the meal?
0: No, of course not.
1: No. Okay, now why not? Because he's already bought her labor and the materials. He's already bought the inputs. So he owns the output already. You can't charge him for his own property. And so there's a very major principle here. If in fact, you bought the inputs, you do not buy the output, you own the output already. Okay, but now, what about when you go to a restaurant, they serve you a meal, and they do give you a check, and you have to pay the check. There, you're buying the output. But the reason you're buying the output is because you have not bought the inputs. Had you bought the inputs, you wouldn't get a check. You'd own the thing. So either you buy the output or the inputs, but not both at the same time. The buyer of the output is not buying the labor. The seller's customer is not paying wages. He's buying a product. And now if we have A worker who's produced the product, the customer is just buying the product. He's not paying a wage. He's paying a product sales revenue. Right. Now, if we keep this in mind, there are no capitalists here. We have workers. They're producing and selling products for which they receive sales revenues, but they're not uh, getting wages. They're getting sales revenues. Now, these workers, according to Smith and Marx, they're not capitalists because they haven't bought anything to produce their products. A capitalist is one who buys for the sake of subsequently selling. These workers in the original state of things haven't bought anything. This precedes uh, the accumulation of stock, precedes buying for the sake of selling. Now, that means that while they have sales revenues, they have no money costs to deduct from those sales revenues. And if you have zero costs but positive sales revenues, the 100% of the sales revenues is profit. Profit is the original labor income.
0: Okay. I noticed something really, really important during my debate which i noticed for the first time which is that i had all these arguments along the lines of what let's say naive capitalists might say i mean people that share our uh, positions but haven't studied economics they'll say something like well you know you say that the capitalist is just exploiting the workers but you've never tried to run a business before he might work 75 hours a week for years before he turns a profit etc etc or to take your example if we say, well, look, the thing is the capitalist is like buying labor from the employee and then he's uh, combining that with other factors of production and then he's finding a customer. So, if anything, you know, he's an agent. He, he, he's entitled to an agency fee. I realize that these are probably the wrong ways to answer the question because someone can come along and say, well, do you know what? To the extent that he's fulfilling those roles, right, to the extent that he's working 70 hours a week in the business or finding customers, he's not actually a capitalist. He's a worker. He's performing labor himself. It's when someone comes along and buys a share of the business and is then entitled to a profit, whether they work in the business or otherwise, do, do, do you follow me George
1: I, I think I do uh, but where we what we have to insist on is that uh, we, we've got uh, we're in the original condition we have a worker who's producing and selling something and the money he receives is sales revenue he's not acted as a capitalist right. so the entire sales revenue is profit okay now let's say, that he himself is going to act as a capitalist. He's selling we have workers who are producing and selling their products. The sales revenues they all receive are profit. Now let's imagine that some of these workers begin to save and invest a portion of their sales proceeds. Right. So this is how this is how we transition from simple circulation. To capitalistic circulation, capitalist circulation by uh, some of the workers who are producing and selling commodities for which they had sales revenues. They use some portion of the sales revenues to uh, buy previously produced products, materials, maybe some kind of primitive tools, and to pay wages. Now, what's the effect of this on profit? There are two, two profits we have to look at. There's the profit of the individual businessman, and there's profits of the whole capitalist class, so to speak. Now, originally, all the sales revenues in the economy show up as profits. But now we've got some portion of the sales revenues being used to make productive expenditures, expenditures for the purpose of making subsequent sales. And these expenditures are going to show up as costs. Now, it's possible that the individual, uh, the new capitalists will have higher profits. <clears throat> that's why they're, they're doing it. But in order to, for them to have higher profits, they have to have greater sales revenues. Right, that's true. And where will those, where will those sales revenues come from? They'll come at the expense of other to other workers selling their products. So it's possible uh, they, they can have higher profits. Maybe we should write some of this down. Let's say in the entire economy, in a whole year, there's 1,000 units of money that represents sales revenues, and uh, productive expenditure is zero. So in the whole economy, what's aggregate profit going to be?
0: Oh one thousand units of money minus the cost of production
1: and what are the costs of production if there's no buying for the sake of selling
0: okay well then zero so suppose so it's um, zero. zero so what's economy wide profit uh, a thousand units
1: okay now let's zero in on ten percent of the of the of the workers let's assume. Initially, we can assume this 10% is taking in sales revenues of 100. The other 90% are taking in revenues of 900. Now, this uh, 10% starts saving and uh, buying some previously produced products, which increase their ability to produce, and they start employing the labor of other workers. Now, let's assume that uh, they, they take... Uh, half of their sales proceeds to do this. They had sales proceeds of 100, and out of 100, they used 50 to pay wages and buy capital goods. And because they're now working with the help of other people's labor, and they have some much better materials, some kind of tools, they can produce a lot more. And let's assume that their sales revenues are now going to be 200 instead of 100. Are, could you calculate their profits, given their sales revenues are 200 and their expenditure for means of production is 50?
0: Sure, so their profit's now 150 units.
1: 150. Okay. Now, what about in the rest of the economy? Sales revenues used to be 900 in the rest of the economy. Now they're 800.
0: Yes, because they've, they've taken out greater market share.
1: Yes, exactly. All right, so now what's happened to total profit in the economic system? It's stayed at
0: the same amount, but one particular business is thriving.
1: The one total profit in the economic system is down.
0: Oh, yes, yes, yes. It's down because now you've got 50, 50 being paid in expenses and labor costs, whereas before none of it was.
1: Right. So the actual effect of the appearance of capitalists is not the creation of the phenomenon of profit because originally everything is profit. The capitalists are responsible for the creation of the phenomena of productive expenditure which includes wage payments and purchases of capital goods. And they are also responsible for a reduction in the proportion of sales revenues that is profit. A reduction in the economy-wide proportion of sales revenues, that is profit. Right. It used to be 100%. Now it's 95%. Okay.
0: Let me just ask you some devil's advocate questions to see if I'm running this at 100%. Okay, so someone could come along and say, well, you know what, George... You're just kind of playing with words here because you're saying it's now 950 units of uh, profit instead of a thousand, but 25 of those 50 units that are missing uh, are going to pay those those people wages, whereas um, you're just calling them wa- you're just calling them wages now. You might as well call them profits because that's no. the <laughs> right. Why are they
1: profits? their money paid in exchange for the performance of labor right now and let's ask who are the producers who's producing the the guy who started out who's doing the saving there's no question before he did that he was he was producing he was producing and selling his products for a hundred right and he's the producer of products worth a hundred now I would say he's still the producer he is going to be. He's the primary producer of products worth two hundred. He conceives the 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 product. He, uh, he uh, gathers he gathers the workers. He buys the capital goods. The workers he employs are his helpers right. in producing product. It's his product, and the people he employs are his helpers.
0: Right. Okay. That's. I love your use of language. Let me just squeeze you a little bit, right? Let me just squeeze you. So I'm the Marxist and I say, no, no, this capitalist, what he's done is he, yes, he may have acquired the capital goods, but what he's done is employed designers to design the products and marketers to find out, Um, to sell the product and uh, market research analysts. So it's all of those people who've done the work. He's just skimming off the top. He's just uh, taking his little 12% share off the top of that.
1: He conceived the project. Right. And then he put together the parts that are necessary. If he hadn't done this, the, the, the product wouldn't have been produced. You see, we don't have, these designers, these market researchers, whatever, they don't bump into each other accidentally on a street corner. And they say, hey, why don't we put all of our talents together and uh, produce this new product? They, they wouldn't have done anything had the, the, the capitalist seller not put them together. He had the plan. He's providing the guiding, directing intelligence at the highest level. And he deserves the primary credit for the product. He's the primary producer. Now, it's the same thing. Uh, Let me give you examples from other fields outside of material production. It's ridiculous that the example I have to give has its own brand new controversy. But why do we normally say, before the world went crazy, that Columbus discovered America? Right, okay. We say Columbus discovered America why don't, we have, why don't we have an enumeration, uh, Simon Giovanni, uh, Ensign uh, Giuseppe, whatever. Why don't we enumerate the crew members and say they did it? Why do we say Columbus discovered America? Because Columbus provided the guiding, directing intelligence at the highest level. He conceived the goal of the voyage. He assembled everything necessary to carry it out. I would say the discovery is, as common usage has it, his right, and so why do we say Napoleon won the Battle of Austerlitz? Why don't we enumerate uh, Lieutenant Claude, Captain Jean, or whatever? Why do we say Napoleon won the Battle of Austerlitz? right, because he provided the overall guiding and directing intelligence at the highest level okay and that's who that's who we should be attributing the products to, and that would mean the primary producer of uh, the Ford automobile company is Ford, of Standard Oil is Rockefeller, and so on.
0: Okay. And in the instance that, right, the guiding intelligence, as you put it...
1: Yeah, at the level, yeah.
0: He's not got the cash to... Um, to fund the project, some big capitalist just invests money, or let's say he has a 51% share of the company, the guiding intelligence. What about the, yeah. the greedy owners of the four, four, the greedy stakeholders that bought 49% of the company and they get to profit even though they've not contributed any guiding intelligence whatever?
1: Okay, but at whose expense? Who's, if there's anyone being exploited, It's Ford or Rockefeller, and the greedy little capitalists who aren't putting in any guiding, directing intelligence, they're widows and orphans, typically. So if you want to say uh, widows and orphans are exploiting Ford and Rockefeller, that's fine. But it's not the guys on the assembly line. If this were an exploitation, it's not the guys on the assembly line who are being exploited, because the primary producer... Is Ford or Rockefeller, not the men on the assembly line? They're out of the picture.
0: Okay, but I'm not sure because this comes back to the objection I made before: to the extent that Ford is working in the company, he's not a capitalist. Yeah. He's not a capitalist to the extent that he's working in the co- company. To the to the extent he's working in the company, he's a worker. It's only to the extent he holds.
1: He's a worker whose income is profit, not wages. He's he, a worker right, whose okay, income That's true. Profit. But he's a capitalist to the degree
0: that he holds a share of Ford, right? No. No? no.
1: First of all, he's a, he's a businessman. Okay. He's the seller of products. He's a seller of products. Okay. And he's a worker who's selling, producing and selling products and his income is profit. And then... To the extent that he saves and productively expends part of the sales revenues, part of what had been his profits, well, he's still that position. That the income he earns is still profit, and he's he's not a wage earner. Nowhere in this uh, in this is he is he a wage earner?
0: Okay, so the Marxist might come along and say, "Look, yeah, so Ford should have a nice salary, the same as everyone else um, who performs." Uh, Function maybe probably the highest salary. Let's say he's the most talented person in the company.
1: Ford is the one who's, who's who's the primary producer of the product, right? And his income, what he receives, is the sales revenue. What his company receives is the sales revenue, and he's not a wage earner he's the, the, providing the guiding, directing intelligence at the highest level, and his income is profit.
0: Okay, but it could be that someone just hires Ford to make all the decisions, right? So, I, I'm just trying to make a distinction here Okay. that I'd like you to answer to. His problem is not with someone having the intelligence or coming up with the ideas being sufficiently remunerated for that it was the shareholder that receives profit right so ford's really in two roles right he's got two roles one is he is providing intelligence he's providing
1: the guiding directing intelligence at right. the highest
0: level okay so there's one thing which is he is pro- he is providing his guide guiding intelligence but he's not paid for his guiding intelligence. And the proof of that is, if he holds an 80% of the share of the company, he'll get 80% of the profit. If he holds 20% share in the company, he'll get 20% of the profit. So he's being paid for his ownership of the company. You can put his guiding intelligence aside. What he's getting paid for is his ownership of the company. So... The Marxist will come along and say, yeah, well, he can be, He in, in our ideal utopia, he might get paid according to what he contributes. He'll get paid for his guiding intelligence. What he will not get paid for is his ownership of the company, because that's just basically fleecing everyone else who works there.
1: If anyone is fleeced, the, the, the primary producer is Ford, not the guys on the assembly line. So if anyone is exploited, okay. it's not the guys on like assembly line, it's Ford.
0: Okay, yeah, I, no, I, I take that argument. Uh, that's a, it's a good one. And uh, and the reason why you're saying that is because if he only owns 20% of Ford and the capitalists are getting, the, the investors are getting 80% of the profits, then they're benefiting from his intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. You could
1: say, you could say... Ford is the fundamental primary producer. Now, the, uh, the, the people who are just investors, well, they have to uh, use some intelligence too. They have to know that it's a good idea. I mean, there are some people who do no work at all. They throw a dart at a board perhaps mm-hmm. and they decide that's the company they'll invest in. Now, you could make an argument there these people are actually doing nothing. They're just lucky. They're, they're making money by blind luck. Right. Well, if, if there's any victim of that, if it, who's paying their incomes? Who is earning, who is responsible for the company earning whatever profits it earns?
0: The consumers.
1: No, who's responsible for producing things that enough buyers will want to buy to make it profitable?
0: Well, I guess whoever is the decision-maker in the company.
1: Yeah, the, the top decision-maker. Maybe there's, there's more than one that's possible. But it's th- those who are providing the guiding, directing intelligence. Now, if they are paying interest or, or dividends, whatever they're paying to uh, other investors who may not have done anything, well, if there's any exploitation involved, It's the exploitation of them, not the guys on the assembly line. The guys on the assembly line are out of the picture. It's the the people who are providing the guiding directing intelligence at the highest level who are responsible for the products.
0: Right. So let's deal with this question of the shareholders. Um, As you say... In most cases, you need to be, you need to have some savvy to know what companies to invest in. Let Let's see if we can explain why this is benign,
1: right? Benign. You know, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's make a couple of points. First, if there were an exploitation involved, it's the 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 major parties, Ford and Rockefeller who are the uh, the victims. And those carrying out the exploitation, the kind of investor who really has no idea what he's doing, I think that would largely overlap the class of widows and orphans. So it, 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 I don't know if anyone wants to make the argument that Ford and Rockefeller are being exploited by widows and orphans. Well, people
0: will make that argument because... Um... We have a show in the UK called The Dragon's Den where some guys where some people who've got an idea for the prof for a product go in front of some venture capitalists. Yeah,
1: yeah. In the US it's called the Shark
0: Tank. Oh yeah, yeah. Same show. Same show. Here it's called The Dragon's Den. So yeah, some people will say, Oh well. You know, people who really are dedicated to socialist ideas will say those people are just putting up the money and they're exploiting the genius of the, of the product developers. So I wouldn't underestimate the fact that there are actually people who hold those views.
1: Okay, that's fine. But it's not, really, it's never an exploitation because why does the, the, the founder of the company, why does he agree? to turn over uh, this or that percentage for this or that amount of money. He does so in the expectation of him gaining by it. So let's say uh, you buy stock in my company. I pay you dividends or I pay you interest on your bonds. Why do I do that? It's because I expect to be able to use your money to earn greater profits than I have to pay you in dividends or interest. Right. So I'm being exploited I'm growing richer by virtue of that.
0: yeah, and if you go to someone else and they're willing to give you slightly more money for the same percentage or the same yeah. amount of money for a smaller percentage, you'll take the best deal you can find right
1: right and then also going further, the owners of the stock and the bonds, they can very well have fully earned their incomes because just think how much labor you can put into. Uh, researching stocks or bonds. There's no limit to the time and effort that you could devote to researching these things. And so if you're earning it and it's your uh, labor and effort which is responsible for your earning it, I would say you've earned your income. It's, It's not only not an exploitation, it's never an exploitation, but it's also fully earned if you have to put in thought and effort to uh, to decide what stocks or bonds to buy.
0: Yes, and I guess you're also uh, performing a social function, which is bidding up the price of a company, sort of in the in the stock market, until it is at the until the evaluation is correct. You know, the the highest bidder will get the stocks. So I guess there's mm-hmm. some kind of social function being performed here, and to the degree that you are a wise investor, you will be allocated more resources to then choose to invest. And so through this mechanism of the invest—sorry, the investors who are wise, accumulating wealth, the one thing that the left really hates, <laughs> the market is saying, right, you make good decisions with money, so we're giving you more money because you're good at guessing what consumers want, right? That's... That, I would say, you know, is the social function of the investor. There's a, have I left it? I'm just yeah, saying, would ahead. you agree with that assessment and have I left anything out?
1: I would, I would go a lot, lot further. Uh, I would say uh, the socialists don't realize that the investor's wealth provides a general social benefit. You see, the socialists are still back in literally in the dark ages. When Before we had a market economy, when people were producing on a, self, a basis of self-sufficiency and you looked at a, a farm, let's say, and you asked who benefits from the existence of this farm? Well, it would be the farmer and his family. But now in a market economy, if you ask who benefits uh, from this farm or who benefits from an automobile factory or a steel mill or an iron mine, it's the buyers of the products. So let's say I have a uh, $100 million in a steel mill. The way the Marxists see it is I've got a $100 million in food that's going to make me look like they're drawings of capitalists, and no one else benefits from this unless and until they become owners. But the reality is all the privately owned wealth that's invested in means of production is producing for the benefit of the buyers of the ultimate products. Right, right. So there's a tremendous social function. The privately owned means of production and their increase is of general benefit. It's benefiting everybody. There's a twofold benefit. The greater the capital accumulated, the larger will be the supply of products and also the greater the demand for wage labor. So the privately owned capital provides benefits to the the buyers of products and the sellers of labor. Fantastic. Yes. I have to admit, I think so too. Yes. This is a point for me. Yes, yes. uh, I,
0: I was just going to say what you said reminded me of a passage in socialism from Mises yeah.
1: where,
0: where he yeah. sa- he says in a very throwaway fashion, Mises writes, yeah. you, you know, it's kind of interesting that we call it ownership because usually what you understand by ownership is if I have a set of a drum kit he didn't say drum kit but I'm just paraphrasing you know I can imagine Mises playing the drums now he says if I, if I what you usually understand by ownership is that something is for my use I'm looking around this room I've got an exercise bike I own it it's for my use but peculiarly we say that the capitalist owns a factory and owns machines when they're actually exclusively not for his use he owns them for the use of the consumers and a and and, and and what you said there just really, really reminded me of that passage, because when I read it, I was like, whoa, I've never thought of that before.
1: I know, it's, a, it's such an incredibly important point, and I think maybe he only devotes a, a paragraph to it, or less. Yeah, I'm not even sure if, it, if, if he repeats that
0: point in human action. You know, I remember it of being peculiar to socialism. Um,
1: I know I got it from socialism. And I think it might be in that area where he was even considering the possibility of changing the terminology yeah, around.
0: Yeah, yeah. He said uh, he said, he more or less said that, unfortunately, I don't think we can actually change the way that people use the word own, which is a great shame because it's confusing in this issue.
1: Yeah, well, I'm glad he didn't change it. It's, I think it's better to try to just explain this extended uh, application. Right.
0: Right. Well, yeah, I mean, I I remember being quite impressed by that point as well, but I think you really brought it to clarity and focus at the moment.
1: I devote uh, about a third of chapter nine in capitalism, uh, all derives from that observation of his.
0: Okay, well, I'm going to go back and, and read chapter nine of your book. Thanks very much. I do think that you've helped me think through this issue. The reason why... I rung you is I'm writing on this issue and I want to get it really clear. I might have some other points to make and things. And fortunately, because of our show, you know, I've spoken to quite a lot of people that I admire um,
1: yeah. who,
0: who are in the space of like defending capitalism or civilization.
1: Yeah.
0: I use the two interchangeably. Yes. And I, I, yes. I thought you would be a a great person to speak to and you've proven to be that. So I feel very privileged to have had the chance to speak to you again, George.
1: Well, thank you very much. Um, Very glad if I could have been of any help to you. And I hope you have every success. And let me hear from you again if if you need some help again.
0: Thank you. I will certainly do that. And hopefully other people will benefit too from the conversation.
1: Can you send me a link to the podcast?
0: Yes, it would be a great pleasure to do so. You're still
1: writing? Yeah, and I have lots of tweets. I I tweet frequently. And uh, I, I have tweet threads. And whenever I have a tweet thread, I post it as a blog.
0: Okay, okay, great. And people can follow you on Twitter. So are you working on a book or are you just working on articles?
1: Well, I'm trying to work on a series of lectures that I recorded uh, in my last academic year, 2004, five. So I'm hoping to just bring them out They're They're less than perfect. And uh, I've spent an awful lot of time going back and forth. Uh, but I, I'm hoping to get there. I, uh,
0: I omitted uh,
1: my lecture on Keynes the last time I taught it. And so I'm working on having that available we'll see I, i'm hoping to start coming out with something any day i shouldn't say any day but <laughs> soon
0: well definitely when you do get in touch with me i'll definitely do everything that i can to support you and maybe we can record another show
1: okay sure that would be terrific
0: great okay thanks george okay be well
1: all success thank you okay you too